morning, everyone. Happy New Year and happy 10th day of Christmas. Any moment now, the 10 Lords of Leaping will come prancing in, I'm sure. We're starting a new sermon series this morning, and it is titled Defining Word. Sometimes when I'm in the midst of preparing a message and, uh, and at that writing stage, a, a word comes to mind that I want to use, and I sometimes find myself consulting a dictionary just to make sure that I'm using it in the right way, the right meaning, the right nuance of it. And uh, in, even in the midst of doing that, I pause, and I still look it up for my own personal edification, but I end up not using that word because I think to myself, if I have to look it up, it's hard enough to stay awake, stay alert through a 20 and 30 minute message, let alone trying to decipher uh, a particular word meaning. But there are common words that we use or hear all the time in sermons, Bible studies, small groups, conversations around the church that warrant closer examination. They are biblical words, but their meaning may be lost on us, and they've taken on a meaning of their own that needs clarifying. And so I've worked out this sermon series for the next few weeks of word definitions. I'm calling it Defining Word. Sounds absolutely riveting, doesn't it? About as exciting as reading a dictionary. Well, I'm going to do my best to make it interesting and instructional and uh, inspiring. We're going to start today with the word salvation or saved. In fact, we've already sung it a few times in a few of the songs this morning. This is a word or words that you've heard in various settings and not just in church. Don't you love it when you're out shopping and you uh, take advantage of a sale or a clearance rack and after the transaction, the uh, sales clerk hands you the receipt and says, announces how much you've saved. I always cynically think to myself, well, it was marked too high to begin with. I would have never paid that price. Or I could have saved even more by simply staying home today. And then, of course, you know, you see sales ads, save, save, save. We even have a store in the area named Save-A-Lot. If you're working on something on your computer and you don't want to lose it, you click save, right? So the church doesn't have a corner on the word save, but what do we mean when we talk about salvation or being saved or getting saved? The words save, saved, and salvation appear hundreds of times in the Bible, along with their synonyms, synonyms like um, uh, deliver or deliverance, redeem or redemption. The scripture today is actually the epistle lesson for Christmas Day. I'm reading from Titus chapter 2. Uh, it's, it's a, as I said, it's the epistle lesson for Christmas Day, and since we're still in Christmas, it's appropriate to hear it today. So Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 11, in this passage, Paul speaks, he's writing to a young pastor, Timothy, uh, to Titus rather, and he speaks of Christ appearing and with him salvation. Let's hear God's word. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us 
to redeem us, another word for save, rescue, deliver, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Well, Paul connects salvation with the coming of Christ, both his first coming as well as his his coming again in glory. And it is why we call Jesus Savior. In fact, you probably know this, but uh, the name Yeshua or the anglicized Jesus, Jesus' name literally means the Lord saves. When Mary was expecting Jesus and she was with Elizabeth, she expressed her hope and joy in that song that we call the Magnificat, and she declared, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. Even the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of God, needed a Savior. And the night Jesus was born, an angel announced to shepherds tonight in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In his letter to Titus, Paul refers to Christ as the grace of God that has appeared. And this grace of God, God in flesh, is the source of salvation. In verse 14 of that text, Paul tells us how Christ saved us. He says, he gave himself to us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. So in that, Paul is really saying in this passage that we've been saved from something that's not so good, that's not good at all, and saved for something that is good. Traditionally, what we have meant by salvation, and here's where I'm sort of defining it for you, traditionally what we've meant by salvation is that we've been rescued from sin, death, and hell. We've been delivered from wrath and condemnation. It means all our sins are forgiven and we are no longer under the curse. We've been set free from the power of Satan. We've been redeemed from unbelief, rebellion, and destructive behaviors. And if we're honest, if we're self-aware, we... There, there, are, there are no, then, then we have no illusions that we don't need to be delivered, rescued, or saved. And the more broken you are, or the more aware of your powerlessness or helplessness, the greater will be your appreciation of God's deliverance. So salvation in this sense is to be set free, delivered, rescued, or redeemed from what robs one of life and joy and peace. Now, most words, as you know, have multiple meanings or nuances of meanings, and that's certainly true of the word salvation. The opposite of salvation is separation. Sin and death separate us from God and from each other. God made us for fellowship, for relationship, for union with him, and with each other. Salvation is nothing more than being and staying connected to God. Let me say that again. Salvation is being and staying connected to God. Christ saved us by removing every obstacle, every barrier, every dividing wall. God, our Savior, is always wooing and pursuing us, sometimes called the hound of heaven. He's chasing after us. He wants, his goal is union. Union with, one, with the one who is the source of light and life and love, the source of joy and peace, the source of all goodness. Paul says that Jesus gave his life to redeem us and purify us for himself, 
to purify, to purify for himself a people that are his very own. We belong to Christ. We are connected to him in fellowship, in union with God. This is salvation, being and staying connected to God through Christ, who is our life. So we are is uh, what we would call the fruit of being saved. And it too is a definition of salvation. The assurance that we possess salvation as what, is what Paul says in verse 14, that we are now eager to do what is good. Salvation is evident by new and growing passions, priorities, and perspectives. You will feel differently, see things in a new way, it means pursuing Christ and Christ's priorities in the world. It means the desire and the wherewithal to say no to evil and wickedness. Salvation is evident in the way that you live and love, in the way that you give and serve, in the ways that you show compassion and mercy, in the ways that you advocate for justice, in the ways that you demonstrate welcome and hospitality, to others, including strangers. Salvation means being saved to move the world just a little bit. We are saved to live incarnationally, to be Christ to the world, and partner with God to bring healing and hope, restoration and reconciliation, removing barriers, building bridges, working for justice, fostering peace, advocating for the dispossessed, the marginalized, the underdog. Paul says, eager to do what is good, which implies a, a readiness, a spontaneity, and we should, we should add a preparedness, prompted, empowered, and directed by God's Spirit to know when, where, and how to help, so that we aren't merely rescuers or think that saving is our job or take on a Messiah complex. Let's be clear, God does the saving. God does the saving, but we are his instruments, his messengers, his ambassadors, his servants. Let me share what it, looks like in the what it looked like in the life of just one man. John was the captain of, of uh, slave ships. He was also invested in the slave trade in the mid-18th century. In 1748, he was caught in a terrible storm and feared for his life. He cried out to God to deliver him, to save him. And God did. But he was saved in ways that he never imagined in that moment. John grew in faith and became convicted of his own wretchedness and the evil of the slave trade that he was party to. John's eyes were opened to the truth about many things, including the dignity and worth of every human being. Salvation prompted in him a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of behavior, a radical redirection in the course of his life. For John, it wasn't just a private revelation or personal salvation. He didn't just revel in his own faith and hope while he waited to be delivered from this tired old world. He devoted the rest of his life to sharing the good news of God's love in Christ. He even became a pastor, and he influenced others, among them William Wilberforce, who also got saved and tirelessly devoted his career 
as a member of parliament to bringing to an end the British slave trade. John famously said late in his life, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great savior. You may know this man as John Newton, the writer and composer of the song Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You and I were saved by grace, by the grace of God that appeared 2,000 years ago in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You are saved, you were saved, the moment that you trusted Christ as your Savior. You are being saved as you grow in faith and love for God. And you will be saved when Christ comes again in glory to restore all things. If you want this salvation, it is yours for the asking. The prophet Joel, Joel 2, 32, said, Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John Newton was in the midst of a storm and cried out to God. He had no idea how wonderfully, powerfully, and completely he was going to be saved and what it would produce in him and through him. Perhaps it's time for you to call on the Lord and to keep calling on him. Perhaps it is time that we collectively call on God to save tired earth. He has. He is. And He will. Let's pray. With joy, we praise You, gracious God. In sending Christ, the light of the world, you revealed your glory to the nations. You are a God who rescues and saves, who delivers and redeems. We call on your name today to save us in every way in which we need to be saved, rescued and delivered, individually and corporately, and our world. Lord, we pray today for those who have not heard the good news of salvation, for those who have heard but have not believed, and for those who have forsaken their faith. Lord, thank you for making your salvation known to us. Help us to live joyfully, freely, abundantly in the life that you have won for us. Make us eager to do what is good, what is pleasing to you. As people who have been saved, we lift our voices in praise to the God of loving power and powerful love. Amen.